Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Meredith May is an author, award-winning former journalist for the San Francisco Chronicle, and a fifth-generation beekeeper. Her new book out this spring is Loving Edie, How a Dog Afraid of Everything Taught Me to Be Brave. And it details her experience and lessons learned from an extremely anxious and sensitive canine companion. After Edie came into the life of Meredith and her wife, Jen, things were never quite the same. Good morning, Meredith. Welcome to Dog Save the People. Thank you so much for joining us today. So before we dive into your history with dogs, I wanted to ask you about your history with another animal, bees. Mm. How did they lay the foundation for your bond with animals overall? Me and my younger brother, Matthew, were raised by my grandparents because our parents split when we were five. It was a messy divorce. We didn't see our father much growing up and our mom really fell into a depression, stayed in bed and sort of relinquished that life, including her kids. And so grandpa was kind of our parent and he was Mm. this big time beekeeper in Big Sur. He had hundreds of hives tucked into these remote canyons. And he showed my brother and me how a beehive is like the opposite of a dysfunctional family. Everyone Mm. works together for the greater good and it's a matriarchy and there's a strong mom and lots of daughter worker bees. And so it really calmed us down and it just made us feel special. And so Meredith, you got your first dog as an adult. A friend of mine lived in a house with lots of crazy artists and they had dogs and they had this dog named Neil that was a golden. And I would just hang out with this group of friends just actually to be near Neil One of my friends in that house saw what was going on and she got a line on a golden retriever that was abandoned in a divorce. And of course, that sung directly to me. From that point forward, I've always had a golden retriever. They're beautiful dogs. Yeah. So loyal. And then you had Stella after her. I got Stella as a puppy. Stella would walk with me in San Francisco, even during like gay pride parade. Everything yeah. going on. She would walk on the sidewalks and then politely sit and wait till I told her it was safe to cross. We would cross, never needed wow. a leash. And wow. I thought, you know, that's how golden retrievers just are. Did not know it at the time, but I really won the dog lottery twice. Mm-hmm. Did you meet your wife, Jen? Did Stella introduce you? No, we met on Match.com. Oh, I love it. <laughs> but she chose Jen before I did. And tell me the story of Edie. How did she come into your life? It took a long time to convince my wife we should get a puppy. Mm -hmm. I work from home and she was a police lieutenant in San Francisco. So she wasn't home during the week and she never raised a puppy. She had bad experiences with pets as a little girl. So it took a lot of convincing. How old is Edie now? She is three. Okay. So tell me about the first year. Well, what we thought at first was that Edie had puppy fear, brought her to a puppy play date. And I remember bringing Stella to these and Stella was, of course, you know, the Holly Golightly of the party. Right. In fact, she'd get in trouble because she would never take a time out from playing. (laughs) So I kept telling Jen, this is going to be great. Bring your cameras. I was so excited for this. And it was at the SPCA in San Francisco. Mm. 
They separate this huge gym into three sections based on size, large, breed, mid, small. And they say, okay, one, two, three, unleash the hounds. And there's this huge scrum of dogs and ours is beelining for the corner in the opposite direction. Absolutely terrified. Had never seen a puppy do anything like that. I was so upset, so embarrassed, so mad, irritated, scared, everything. There's something wrong with our puppy. And it's interesting that you mentioned the idea of being furious or embarrassed because I know that with my dogs, my experience, I've hopefully learned a little bit along the way, but I would get upset and embarrassed by how they acted because, you know, in some way it's reflecting back on me or, mm-hmm. or something. There's a connection there. At first it became, let's just get her back on track. Let's get her some extra help. Let's get her some tutoring, get her up to speed with the rest of the class, and then she'll be quote unquote normal. That was my first attitude about this, which, you know, is how I sort of rule myself, fix it, like work harder, suck it up, buttercup. And I was applying that to this poor creature. It was really unfair. And I also thought I've trained two wonderful golden retrievers. What am I doing wrong with this one? Like I'd somehow lost my mojo. I wanted to be able to have my fun dog life back. Yeah. I didn't sign up for this. What's the point of a dog that can't move through the world with you? Mm -hmm. More things started to happen that were showing me this dog's going to need extra help. This is not just puppy fear. Mm -hmm. What happened was we got to a point where Edie, she can't walk on an urban sidewalk, for example. When she gets scared, she has a panic attack. Her fight or flight is off the charts and she just runs. She will run off a cliff. She'll run into traffic. She's like a horse. So it got really bad. And, you know, we got to the point where we thought, I don't know if this dog is for us. We brought in a specialist who had to sit us down two and three times and said, you can't just go anywhere with this dog. You have to decide if she can handle it and make plans, alternative plans. The thing that Edie has taught me is that a pet is not an accessory. Yes. It's not the Meredith show anymore. I need to grow up and learn how to put another creature's needs before my own, which is what I imagine parents of humans (laughs) go through as well in a different way. But it really highlighted how selfish I had been living. I know for myself, when I've had special needs dogs, I initially would get frustrated because I'm like, oh, I want to be able to do what I want to do. But I do think that it's this idea that it it brings you out of yourself and you start to realize that you need to adjust your life. So over and over again, people were telling us, this is the kind of dog that will be good on a farm. But no, not the city. There's too much stimulation. Yeah. We eventually wanted to leave the city and move back to my hometown in Carmel Valley in California. But because of this, we started looking a little earlier and we found a house within a couple of weeks we really loved and we ended up moving a lot sooner. We live 1,800 feet up on a mountain, a rural windy road. But the beautiful thing is she's really come alive here. She can do a lot of things now that she couldn't do before, just given the solitude and the time to think about it and relax. And so have we. I am so glad my dog is teaching me what slow means. It's something I have struggled with my whole life. 
there's a quote here that says, it's been a journey learning how to take care of this sensitive creature. And she's completely changed the idea of what it means to share life with a dog. That to me really resonates because I think so many people, as you mentioned before, get a dog, but you know, partly because it's like this accessory or this extension of them. Exactly. Edie has taught me how rewarding it is to be someone's protector. I remember the moment that switch flipped for me. We had neighbors over and their golden retriever at our house and a thunderstorm came, which is very rare for here. And Edie went fleeing out of the yard, back into the house and into my closet. That's her yes. panic room, actually. Sure. I had to you know, say to my friends, I'm sorry, we have to have a timeout. And I remember sitting in the closet with her playing soft music designed for fearful dogs mm-hmm. with the swaddling shirt on her, pheromone spray, just all the little things we have in her toolkit and sitting with her in my closet. It was the first time I was not disappointed or ashamed or frustrated. Yeah. I just sat with her until she calmed down and fell asleep. And then it made me remember that as a little girl, I would hide in the closet when my mom got too scary. Wow. And that was the moment when I realized, oh, no longer feel the need to push this dog to be the dog that I felt I was somehow cheated out of. Right. She's not Stella. She's Edie for a reason. And I need to learn what that reason is. She's at the point now where if she does have a panic attack, she runs to me. Mm. And I can't tell you how happy that makes me feel that she knows where to go that I can calm her down. I know how to calm her down. I know the way she likes to be calmed down and making her feel safe is another beautiful thing that I never needed to feel with Stella. Sure. With Stella, I felt cool, but this is a different and a much deeper and dare I say it like maternal feeling. She taught me to trust that just because I grew up without parents by my side, that I still know how to be one if I need to, and that I do have the capacity to be selfless. Wow. Beautiful. And the book is coming out very soon. I love the title, Loving Edie, How a Dog Afraid of Everything Taught Me to Be Brave. And Meredith, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you. So where can we find you on social media, or can you let us know about your website, please? Website is lovingedie.com. And Edie has her own Instagram at lovingedie. And then my Instagram is my name with the letter A, then M-A-Y. So it's Meredith A. May. And then, oh, I'm on Twitter at Meredith May SF. Thank you. It was lovely to hear about how Edie led Meredith and her wife to grow and evolve, to adapt their lifestyle in a way that slowed them down and changed things for the better. I love that it also made Meredith more sensitive and aware of dogs and people alike as a result. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is made by As It Should Be, a production company and content studio. It is made with the support of Scott Benaglio, executive producer, and Jack Summer, our producer and editor. And special thanks to Daniel Lampert, our neighbor and composer, for creating the music for the show. You can follow Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. 
You can also follow our show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. To sign up for our monthly email newsletter, you can go to dogsavethepeople.com. On the website, you'll also be able to find merch in our new online gift shop. This includes shirts from the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, where profits go to supporting independent rescues and shelters. If you have any questions or submissions, please drop a note to the email address bark at dogsavethepeople.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog outside and make it a great day for both of you. Thank you.